When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Mass Effect Lorecast, the podcast where we explore the vast universe of lore behind the Mass Effect games. We'll talk about all the details you may have missed, ask the hard questions, and more. All right, welcome back to the Mass Effect Lorecast. This is your host, Tom, or Robots, and I am here again with my brilliant co-host, Sam. <laughs> And Seven the Legend, Eater of Quesadillas. How's it going, Sam? Destroyer of Quesadillas is more like it. Uh, Destroyer of Quesadillas. I'm doing fantastic, and not because I had a quesadilla today, because I didn't. Um, But I did check out a new pizza place nearby, which has large, um, like pretty good slices of pizza for three bucks each. Whoa. Uh, Yeah, I know. I got two huge slices of pizza and a uh, pretty good draft beer for 14 bucks. All right. So you can't beat that. Um, but enough about the pizza. We're here to talk about <laughs> Mass Effect. <laughs> and we're actually opening a new chapter in the show. Oh, because I need, for 17 uh, weeks, I should get we've a been sound. talking. A, I need a sound effect. We've been talking. A, oh, oh, we do? <laughs> go ahead. Go new ahead. chapter I, in I, the show. I don't have one ready, but I could have. Go ahead. And we we've been talking about the races of Mass Effect for about 17 weeks now. Um, so that's quite a long time. It's 17 of the 24 weeks because we are on the 24th episode. Uh, and so we kind of decided that it's time for a new chapter. Uh, we've exhausted all the sentient races of Mass Effect. And so now we're moving on to the factions of Mass Effect. And I think the way that we should do this define faction is a a seat or house of power where does power reside in the mass effect universe and that doesn't have to be a state uh government it doesn't have to be you know an official organization sometimes it can be a pretty seedy one at that Mm. um so and we'll get into some of the more sketchy uh dark organizations as well but for today we are talking about the alliance Yes. So why don't we open up this new chapter? I got, there we go. I heard that there was a door, right? That was supposed to be a, a door opening. It was, it was some sort of squeaky sound. So, um, all right. Yeah. So this is, this is going to be part one of part of two of a two part series because the Alliance is a pretty big topic, right? We've got, we've got a lot to cover when it comes to the Alliance. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So part one of of, of this uh, ser- sub-series, I guess you could call it, on the Alliance, mm-hmm. is going to cover the origins of the Alliance. So that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. And when we come back next week, we're going to be having part two, and that's going to be the Alliance as a government and a military, because they are two things. There's the System Alliance Parliament and the System Alliance military. Um, and so we'll talk about the differences of those and how they interact with the galaxy each. Okay, so so where do we start with this? So since um, 
these factions episodes are going to be different. Let's briefly talk about that. Um, typically first we're going to talk about the factions origins and its rise to prominence. And then after the break in, in these next episodes, we'll get into why the faction is so influential in the series. Um, obviously for the Alliance, because it's a two part, uh, series, we're going to, uh, deviate from that a little bit as I just described. Um, but that being said, for those of you who are new to the series, it's more or less the overarching government of humanity. In the game, the Alliance is referred to as supranational, which basically means that its authority supersedes that of any one nation. Um, and, and it's important to point out, I suppose, that not every nation on Earth is part of the system alliance. OK, so it's um, kind of analogous to the U.N. in that it's an overarching system but not everybody is necessarily a member of that system or not everybody necessarily has to listen to the mandates of that system, but it still represents the majority of the world's governments. Certainly. Um, and definitely most of the world's most powerful governments. Right. Um, and perhaps the, that's really the key factor there. Um, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, but I think we should probably address how the systems Alliance came to be. Yeah. Okay. So let's start there. So how, how did they come about and um, how did all the nations just agree to cooperate? Like how does like uh, obviously in, <laughs> in our own in our own history, that doesn't happen so easily. How did that come about in this history of the world? Well, it wasn't uh, it wasn't as easy as one might think, <laughs> but it was a gradual process expedited by a large, large event. Uh, in the Mass Effect universe timeline. And to explain that, to explain this, this sudden, seemingly sudden shift to cooperation, we need to jump back to humanity's discovery of Mass Effect physics. Before humanity was able to travel at faster than light speeds, and before they discovered how to use mass relays, they were slowly colonizing their own system, which is called our Sol system. By 2069, Humanity had implemented the Armstrong outpost on Luna, also known as the moon. Wait, 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 wait. Sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. So wait, so we've got Darwin's finches, like, right? They're the, they're the acoustic folk band, right? And we had some other band. Didn't we have some other band or some other group last time? Well, I think I just sent you a, a picture of a book in the discord and I said, this might be Darwin's Finch's rival. And it was the wealthy pigeons, <laughs> wealthy uh, pigeons. Yes. Oh man. I didn't see this yet, but didn't we mention one on, on the previous episode? Wasn't there somebody else that came up last time? Chat. Can you help remind me of this? Well, I, were we talking about the Vorcha and the Yog? Yes. The death metal band. No, no, yeah. no, no, no. Oh, oh yeah. There was, okay. The Vorcha and the Yog, but then there was the, um, uh, sorry, sorry for the sidetrack here, guys. But this is going this is going somewhere. Then there was the uh, the the um, the beat poet guy, the beat poet. Oh, the slam poetry, the slam poetry yeah. guy. All right, so we've got one more to add to our group. So this will be the fourth musical act, the um, soul system. <laughs> <laughs> the soul, soul system which, of a soul. The soul system, which is our funk group. Soul system. Which... <laughs> I see. I see. Now you're now, I, now we're going soul, to the seventies. Yeah. Yes, we're in the seventies. Yeah, love, love the pun with the soul um, soul system. Yeah, the hey, soul well, system. Hey, everybody, this is our soul funk group. Hey, welcome to the soul system, everybody. 
all right all right, all right. so i'm sorry right. i it's just like i couldn't get past that okay so 2069 luna first humans first extraterrestrial settlement that's where we left off yeah so 2069 is when humanity finally takes the step out of um, well out of earth really and makes a settlement on another um you know uh cosmic body i guess you could say mm. uh by, by 21 cosmic, <laughs> cosmic body another another that's band. their first that album saucy no, one. cosmic that's... body is soul system's first big hit <laughs> yeah that works she had that works really cosmic well. body um, you know what i mean yeah i just you know i i speak in um in band names and <laughs> i think sooner or later uh, an agent or someone is just going to listen to me and then jot down some notes and go, mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. and I'm going to see none of that money. Nope. It's going to be great. going to love it. Um, it's all but- copywritten. <laughs> it's all copywritten because it's here first. So we well, have, there you go. Uh, yes. By 2103, the ESA, the European Space Agency, found Lowell City in, in Eos Chasma on Mars. Uh, Lao city functions as a, basically a halfway house for further expeditions deeper into the solar system. Uh, Gagarin station becomes the next huge step in humanity's, uh, you know, space race. And it starts being constructed by 2142 outside Pluto. So if you're, if you're counting, that's about, uh, let's see, what would that be about? 73 years after the Armstrong outpost on Luna. Okay. So it's like, it's almost every 40 years that they like moon, Mars, Pluto. That's a big jump because the, the, <laughs> the solar system gets bigger and bigger and bigger as you go out. But it makes sense to put a, an outpost at Mars because that's the next big jump to past the, um, the asteroid belt to the outer system, which is really far out there. Um, okay, so I'm noticing these ventures have uh, features of different nations, too, right? So it seems like at this time, the space race is still a competition among the different nations. So they've got that kind of going on as well. Yeah. Uh, so as you as people know, you know, Armstrong is referencing the very famous American astronaut and uh, mm-hmm. Gagarin station referencing, of course, a very famous cosmonaut, also known as a Russian astronaut. So there's still um, some some type of competition there. And of course, in between the two, the European Space Agency uh, makes its large step founding a city on Mars. So yeah, there's definitely still some competition among the nations and it turns out that space exploration is pricey. There's already a huge toll on each of the nations taking part. Hence why the Europeans had to band together, uh, in the ESA, but you know, so not even nations of people, um, are wealthy and advanced enough for the undertaking. And and some are getting really antsy about it with private ventures coming about. One of which is led is the Manswell expedition led by billionaire Victor Manswell. He gathers, get this, this is crazy. He gathers 300 people pre FTL. So at this time, humanity does not know faster than light travel. Mm-hmm. He gathers 300 people, puts them in cryo, you know, uh, cryostasis heads for alpha Centauri another system. That's yeah. That's like the, what the closest system alpha Centauri. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and here's the cool part. They are found years later by the Asari. Oh, geez. It's a super cool borderline secret lore bit that I never even knew about. 
And this is like a case study that we got to do an episode on. I'm not sure when maybe it'll be in like a chapter or a sub series of episodes on like, here's the shit that even in seven legend didn't know about. Like here's here's like the side bits that are just like oh, I was doing some some looking up some stuff getting ready for the episode and here's this stuff that just blew my mind <laughs> extra bits yeah, he, yeah here's the awesome stuff I stumbled upon along the way yeah um yeah. and we'll definitely have to come back to that I don't want to spoil too much of it so I digress um, hmm. humanity at this point is already realizing it may not be economically possible to do it alone beyond that there is this growing sense of pan global culture, which, you know, we're, we're, by the way, we're all seeing this in, in real life in the 21st century. And this pan global culture, of course, it basically means that, you know, we're all one people kumbaya, my Lord, sing around the campfire, that kind of shit. Yeah. Um, right. not Dar- Darwin's finches. They, they cover that. We've already talked about Darwin's it. finches is really big on pan globalism. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, with national cultures constantly borrowing features like, like the, you know, they like feature a and feature B from different cultures and vice versa, lending their you know elements of their culture to different cultures around the world. Um, so the world keeps getting smaller in the 21st century in mass effect. And here's the inflection point in 2148, a mining team on Mars finds a decrepit, underground Prothean observation facility where the Protheans were monitoring and studying early humans, Cro-Magnons thousands of years ago. Hmm. It's like, you would, hmm. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, we've, we've already talked about this. We knew we've discussed this on previous episodes. We knew they were doing this. It's, uh, why did they leave the remnants of this? It seems so this opens up a lot of questions, right? Like Protheans leaving remnants of a facility. Why underground? Or were the underground parts the only parts that survived and there used to be above ground parts that just didn't survive due to age and radiation and weather? Or did they like why not remove that? Like, did they not care if those things got found later? Was that not, a, you know, were there other things in other locations that would just never got found? Was this the only bit that was discovered? You know, like this opens up so many questions about why on Mars? Why, why observe from such a distance? Why were these things never discovered on the planet Earth as opposed to on Mars or the moon? Wouldn't the moon be a better location to be observing from a distance than Mars? That's a really far distance to be observing things from. So I think that the answer to those questions isn't so obvious in the lore as it is implied. And um, one of the reasons definitely, which Javik talks about, is that the Protheans were interested in humanity's potential. Another possible reason that immediately comes to my mind is that, uh, that it, the facility was underground and partially hidden because they were hiding not from humanity, but the Reapers. Right. And I think it's possible that because as we know, the extinction cycle with the Prothean cycle and the Reapers going through wiping them out, that lasted like hundreds of years. So that's definitely enough time to build a facility. And if they had some scientists on the fringes of space where the Reapers didn't immediately find them, maybe I'm just spitballing here, but maybe 
studying humanity, leaving this data for humanity's interest was like a, a hail Mary mm-hmm. was like a, okay, we're totally boned, but maybe these guys in 50,000 years right. can bring an end to this. If we give them a leg up. Right. But, but then why not the moon or why not earth? Maybe they had a non-intervention approach. I'm not sure. Maybe yeah. they just but wanted, even then, maybe the there moon, was like, like if, if ideological, like we can't let them know mm. we're here. Right. But even the moon would still be a good hiding place. You, you know what I'm saying? Like mm. we wouldn't have been able if we could get to Mars and instead would have taken roughly the same amount of time to get to the moon. If they, if they didn't right. want to be on the planet, then why not just observe from the moon? It just seems like a better observation point than Mars. I, I don't know. It's just it's just a weird it's kind of a odd place to choose. I don't I can't think of a benefit to choosing Mars as opposed to the moon. They're a huge fan of red. Uh, <laughs> Maybe they just like the color red. That might be it. They're really big fans of red and the clay is just, you know, it's excellent building material. It's, it's wonderful. Um, yes. Mineral resources. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe there were more minerals maybe. on Mars. Uh, gravity. There's more gravity on Mars. I mean, There's a little bit more atmosphere. If, what if that was before it? the uh, before the Reapers, Mars was covered in ice? What if before the Reapers, Mars ago? was more of a terrestrial world? You Maybe. know, yeah, I don't know. It's it's one of those questions. Also, uh, we got to go to the mid break break. But before the mid break, I think that I've discovered the lead singer for the soul system. I think his name is Victor Manswell. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's up? What's up, Boston? This is Victor Manswell and we are the soul system. Cue the cat calling and, and <laughs> whistle noises. All right, here we go. Let's go to the mid- middle of the show. We're going to be back with some more yeah. stuff about the Alliance. Message coming in. Patching it through. I am sovereign, and this station is mine. I like the sound of that. Ahoy there, ye landlubbers. Avast, my name is Captain Logan, and I'll be your guide out on the Sea of Thieves. If you love the idea of stealing treasure, cutting down cursed skeletons, fighting off krakens, and raiding forts filled to the brim with shinies, then Sea of Thieves is the game for you. Join me each week as I dive into the news and bring back the nuggets of information that any sailor worth their weight in salt would desire you don't have to be a pirate legend to gain access to my podcast just search for keelhauled a sea of thieves podcast in your podcast app of choice or head over to robotsradio.net or captainlogan.podbeam.com and get ready to set sail for adventure All right, so we don't have any new reviews this week, but if you would like to help us out, you're welcome to leave a review on Apple Podcasts with a rating. Any five-star reviews and ratings we will read out on future episodes of the show. And um, also a reminder, Radio Dex, you won the last contest from last month. We're still waiting to hear from you, so come back to our Discord, buddy. You can join us on the next episode of the show. And if you don't want to do it, that's totally cool. We can pass it off to somebody else. Also, we have a new contest for this month. And it is a design your own command ship contest. I forgot to mention this last week on the show. We've got two weeks till the next episode with our patrons. So that gives you guys a week to get us 
your designs. Now, this could be either a description. This could be a nice, you know, solid paragraph description, some bullet points or a drawing with some yeah, maybe some bullet points on the drawing. So maybe like lines that show you like, here's the command center. This is what the command center has in it. Here's the engines or whatever. However creative you want to get, whatever you want to do, if you were if uh, Commander Shepard or Commander whoever you want to be and you have your command ship, how would you design it? And this can be as creative as you want. What would it look like? Would it have a specific shape? Would it be a specific color? Would you have a certain kind of layout? Would you have certain things on the ship? Would you have certain kinds of technology? Would you have, uh, uh, I don't know, whatever you want. Like, get as creative as you want. You could think about the, sh the Normandy. You could have some of the things on the Normandy and put them in different locations. You can have technology from the game that you run into in specific quest lines from the game and incorporate that onto the ship for certain reasons. Give us what you think you would do and how awesome you would make your ship and design us the most awesome ship you possibly can. And the winner will get to join us on this month's patron episode. So all of that can be submitted on the Robots Radio Discord channel for the Mass Effect Lorecast. All you have to do is post it in there and let us know what, you, what you're what you doing with that. Um, attach that as an attachment, either a PDF or an image that you're just going to load in there. And our secret benefactor will be picking a winner again uh, next week by next week's podcast episode. So get those in there and let us know what your ship's going to look like. Um, I love to see some drawings. I also love to see some really cool descriptions from stuff. So I, I just can't wait to see what you guys do with that. I think it'll be really, really cool. Um, also, the episode for this week's um, or this month's patron episode is going to be a fun trivia game show episode. And uh, Sam has cooked up some really fun questions for you guys. So get on in on this. Uh, it's going to be bragging rights. So it'll be super fun. We'll see who can win this, this game. It's going to be super, super fun. Also, we have our patrons to thank. Then our tier five patrons get call outs every week, including Pipe Man Studios and Sovereign and Stagger and Stumble. We've got three tier five patrons. Holy moly. So thank you to you guys. Thank you to all 39 of our patrons this week. Thank you to everybody. And um, I haven't I haven't had time. I have lots of stuff going on this last week. I haven't had any update on the, the shirts that I've been able to work on this week. Um, hopefully I get some more time this week coming up to work on some more shirts for us. For the Patreon, um, for those of you who didn't hear the news from last week, I'm working on adding some shirts and stickers and some other merch items for our Patreon. So that means that specific tiers in our Patreon will get merch items and I'm not going to change the cost of the different tiers. So if you are a patron, then congratulations. At some point in the future, we will be adding merchandise and it's going to be some really cool designs that I will be working on and we'll have more on that as soon as I possibly can wrap up some of those designs for you guys to share. So that's coming down the line as well. Anything else that I that I haven't mentioned, Sam? No, I think you pretty much covered it all um, about the trivia show. I'm very excited for that. As you uh, mentioned, I have cooked up some questions and some of them are doozies. I'm having to rewrite some of the questions to be a little harder because I think some of you are too oh, smart and we have too some knowledgeable about the lore. That's true. Yeah. And um, of course, Tom and I are not going to participate because this is, you know, this is about the patrons. So we're not Obviously, I wouldn't because I've written the questions, um, but <laughs> well, I'll host uh, it. I'll host it. You'll be our kind of our question writer and our judge. And then we're going to 
um, it'll be between you guys and you guys will have bragging rights and we're going to come up with a way for you to flaunt those bragging rights for the next month. So you'll be able to, you know, show that off on, on the discord or, or wherever and be like, I was the winner for this month, guys. I'm the lore master or whatever we're going to call it. Oh yeah. And you know, I actually have a really special idea that we might be able to do for the winner. And I wanted to talk to you about it after the show, because it's not something that we should reveal yet. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. 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 We'll, we'll talk. So it's going to be so, fun. It's going to be fun stuff. We're excited to do it and more, more about that in the future. So stay tuned. All right, let's get on with the rest of the show. Cause we've got more Alliance stuff to talk about. Here we go. Spit it out. Or are you trying to build suspense? You're so dense, sir. Obviously, I do not know as much about human relationships as I thought. So, uh, <laughs> Wolf Squad in chat says, bragging rights? Like, Garrus outshooting Shepard? <laughs> Funny that uh, Wolf Squad should bring this up, because I just did that mission in Mass Effect 3. I did not realize that if you choose Renegade once, that's it. Like, it doesn't keep going. You don't, you don't get to toy with Garrus you know hit the target and then let him hit the next one that's that's it like you're just a dick and <laughs> you're just, uh garris yeah. garris is always going to be second fiddle to you uh even after you may or may not die so <laughs> well <laughs> you know? that's what you get for being a dick yep but yep sp speaking of um of bold moves <laughs> <laughs> this fire this discovery of the Prothean underground observation facility is massive in the Mass Effect universe. It's world shattering, it's reality breaking, and it is mind blowing for humanity. Oh yeah. Not just for scientific reasons, but for the sociological ones, of course. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. So how do yep, the, how do the how do the religions handle this? Because this is an interesting thing when it comes to like I, I often wonder about this with our own world, and I have my own theory here. But how, what happens in in Mass Effect? You know, the religions do a complete backflip, uh, with most established ones crumbling from just a sheer inability to incorporate new evidence into existing dogma. Um, so a lot of religions in the world in Mass Effect just cease to exist. Not all of them. Some actually still are prevalent come the time of Mass Effect 1, which of course is 2183. Uh, and Catholicism, we know, is one of them. The reason we know that, and the reason we know that Cerberus cares about Catholicism, is because there's a pope, Pope Clement XVI, <laughs> who is assassinated by Cerberus operatives and replaced with a different pope, Pope Leo XIV, because this new pope is very, very human centric, very pro earth. Uh, and I'm sure you can see where that's going. Uh, mm. Advocates for military buildups, things like mm. that. Um, so Cerberus is not above assassinating the Pope. I think that's of note. Um, so you're saying that a Pope was assassinated and replaced with another Pope who was more in line with political ideology of a specific group. I don't think this has ever happened in history ever. I think this is probably a, like a once in ever, you know, ever thing. Ever. I mean, this is a novel idea. This is a very novel uh, idea. <laughs> yeah. The only difference here <laughs> is that, you know, the, the Pope was assassinated to galvanize um, 
anger toward those who are different from you. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, so, okay. So here's my theory is if, yeah. if in, if in our own reality and I won't take too long on this, but in our own world, if we were to all of a sudden come across irrefutable evidence that uh, ancient aliens existed and were overseeing our own existence in some way, many of the world's religions would flat out deny it or incorporate yes. it in, in ways. And you would not see a single one of them crumble from the inside out. There are a lot of deniers in the mass effect universe. Mm -hmm. There's religions that just completely go. Nope. Fake news. Yep. I, I think, I think the majority of the established uh, religions would the, the more, the most extreme would say, Nope, it's just, it's not real. Just like they do with much of the established science that's out there. So for example, the religions that already don't believe in say evolution would say, nope, that's not real. Um, I'm not even sure if that's a strong enough comparison because if, if we're talking about finding an underground protein research facility, this is concrete. This right. is not a theory. Right, this right. is not a theory. At they, all. they would, they would justify it as, um, uh, just like, just like some people today say things like, uh, you know, we never, we never went to the moon. Right. Same right. kind of thing. It's it's just as easily it, they would easily deny it the same way they could just deny us never going to the moon or the way that there are flat earthers like you can get on a freaking airplane and you can fly around the planet. But yet they would still deny that that's possible. Um, yeah. Same kind of thing. Uh, there are religions that do think that evolution is real and those religions would move on and they would adjust their theolo theolo theology accordingly. And they would continue to move on. So you would have one of two camps. And in both cases, neither one of them would crumble. Wolf Squad brings up a good point here, which is that in Mass Effect 1, Ashley Williams brings up God. And she says that she knows among spacers, it's weird to believe in God. And she wants to feel comfortable talking about God with Shepard. Um, hmm. So this brings up a good point. And I think it goes hand in hand with the whole 21, 21st century pan-globalism thing, which is maybe religion as a formal organization ceases to be so prevalent, but people still hold spiritual beliefs by themselves um, as Ashley Williams does. I'm not sure that there's any evidence in the mass effect universe that all of a sudden everyone becomes atheist. I don't think there's really evidence to, to yeah. say that definitively. Um, yeah. But, and depending on Shepard, depending on how you can reply, you can reply yes or no. So, you know, it, it depends on the player character there as well. Also new religions pop up too. Well, there's one in specific called uh, interventionary evolutionists. So you hear that, and at least me, my mind immediately goes to ancient astronaut theorists believe. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. This is the like, yeah, we've been watched all along and our evolution was guided. And so therefore, the, you know, there isn't necessary an all knowing, all seeing God. There are just aliens and they've guided the process all along the way, which is funny because that's still jumping to conclusions that says it still doesn't say anything about the existence of a God or not existence of a God. It just also says something about aliens, <laughs> right? And, <laughs> Which and th is those are massive jumps. <laughs> those are huge jumps in both directions. Like, and but this is what people do. They go, if aliens, then no God. And it's like, well, that still doesn't say anything about God. It just says things about right. aliens. <laughs> like, yeah. it doesn't. Th those two ideas are not mutually exclusive. <laughs> exactly. At all. Exactly. Um, so. <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, the funny part is, as long as we're talking about interventionary evolutionists, they would probably point at the evidence that we find on Elatania to favor them a lot, which is the Prothean Sphere in a side planet in Mass Effect 1, where if Shepard activates it, there's a text-based RPG sequence that happens that depicts Shepard having a vision, which is a memory of a Cro-Magnon hunter being studied oh, yeah, by yeah. the Protheans. So this kind of comes full circle. Uh, and I think the interventionary evolutionists would point to it and go, oh, see, we're right. <laughs> they were they were studying and guiding us all along. I don't know why they're old, uh, but in this <laughs> scenario, they're old. <laughs> or they just have really dried out weird voices. Yeah, from shouting all the time on soapboxes about how they were right. I don't know what the fascination is about, you know, oh, I'm the one who figured that out all along. Um, <laughs> PS, PSA, everyone, if you're unsure about your religious beliefs, it's okay not to know. In fact, um, that's probably the best stance to take. Yeah, that's it. That, in fact, it's it's it. Oh, side note, I think it's probably good to say I'm not really sure. Here's where I lean currently. I think that's a great stance to have. Here's where yeah, I currently least, am leaning. Here's what I think. Wonderful. You know, stance. as my, as my late mother used to say, there's more faith in an honest doubt than there is in blind obedience. Yeah. Here's where I am. Here's where I am right now. I may not be there tomorrow, but here's where I am right now. I think that's great. So, that's a great place. Yeah, to there's be. nothing, nothing wrong with saying, and that doesn't just go for religion. It goes for a bunch of things. There's nothing yes, wrong absolutely. with saying you don't know. I'm not a hundred percent sure on this, but here's where I'm feel like I'm at right now. I like yeah, that. Pro, I, I love pro that. customer service tip. If you don't know, tell the customer, I'm not sure, but you know what? I'm going to work really hard to get you an answer. Right. And then get them an answer. Yeah. I'm not sure, but I think it might be this, but I'm not really sure. Great answer. Wonderful yeah. answer. So let's, find, let's figure been, it out together. I like that answer. This anyway. has been religion and customer service brought to you, brought to you by robots radio and in seven lunch. One Oh one. Here we go. Here we go. Okay. So what else, what else do we have here? So they discover a lot of data as well, which is kind of remarkable because this Prothean research facility is at least 50,000 years old. And they they don't just find a lot of data. They find petabytes of data. Mm-hmm. That's each each petabyte is is one thousand twenty four terabytes. Yes, like I did not know this before researching this episode. Mm-hmm. I want to really drill in this point about how large one petabyte is. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to mention some other examples to drill at home, and these are courtesy of LifeWire.com. <laughs> so I, I I felt the need. I like that you did this work. Okay. Yeah, uh-huh. I, these are this is an external website it has nothing to do with Mass Effect, but I wanted to know how big a petabyte is. And I feel the need to give credit to LifeWire because these are some really interesting comparisons. And I think they did the math. Yeah, LifeWire so, doesn't sponsor the podcast, by the way. No, we're getting no money for mentioning them. This no, is just a journalistic oh. integrity. In fact, we might thing. be losing money by mentioning them. We might be. Well, I mean, Don't probably sue us, LifeWire. That'd be a big douche move. Um, yeah, douche maneuver. <laughs> Please you know what? You do that. I'm never mentioning you again. <laughs> like it hurts them. Uh, anyway, I'm going to talk bad about petabyte. you on every podcast ever from this point on. And we will refer to you with pseudonyms. Um, <laughs> anyway, one petabyte, according to the company that probably shouldn't be named for legal reasons, is 1.5 million CDs. Uh-huh. 
which is 1.5 million which is, which is interesting because that's exactly the amount of cds you can you can put you can stack on top of each other to reach the moon it's also the exact <laughs> number of true. cds that nickelback sold when they released photograph <laughs> that's not true either. that's not true either <laughs> But it sounds good. If you say it and you're confident enough, no one, everyone will believe you. Everyone will believe you. That's that's how it goes. Yeah. That's a terrible lesson. Don't, don't listen to that. Um, no, no, no. Instead you should yeah. say it and be not sure about it. Like when we were talking about religion. Yeah. And be sure to end everything on an upward inflection. Um, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it's one petabyte is also, uh, relative to 745 million floppy disks. You didn't end it on an, you should say it like this. 745 million floppy disks. Oh, I wasn't done. If you're 60 years old. <laughs> okay. All right. Now, uh, what about, what about if you were recording full HD video? If you were recording full HD video 24 mm-hmm. seven, mm-hmm. it would take you basically three and a half years to reach one petabyte full HD, um, surveillance video outside your house. You mm-hmm. set it up three and a half years later. That's one, one petabyte. That's a lot of, that's a lot of video. And there's, there's like several petabytes of data that are extracted from this, uh, underground facility. There's also uh, a couple more examples just because I found them particularly, uh, uh-huh. funny. Uh-huh. The movie avatar, also a sci-fi movie, right. uh, right. took up about one petabyte to render its graphics, which is crazy. When you hear that, it's also estimated that the human brain can store 2.5 petabytes of data. That's crazy. So that's, that means that, Two copies of the movie Avatar would come close to requiring a human brain. Yes. Yes. And two copies of uh, the movie Avatar would include way too much of the color blue. And still not Hmm. enough steamy ponytail action. (laughs) What? <laughs> oh, you don't remember that part in Avatar? I never that's watched Avatar. No, I, I never. Think that's how they. Made. I, I avoided it. That's how they. That's how they like. Um, they, that's how they embrace eternity. We'll just say that. We're doing mm. a, a Mass Effect. No, I, I actively avoided watching Avatar. It was. I. Um, but again, yeah. People, <laughs> went, people went and saw it. They were like, "Yeah, it's 3D. You should see it." And I was like, "That's why I should see the movie because it's 3D." And they're like, yeah. And I was like, that sounds like a gimmick. I'm like, is the movie good? And they're like, well, it's like Pocahontas in space. And I'm like, well, I know the story of Pocahontas and I've seen space. <laughs> they're like, okay. Coincidentally, um, if you combined three human brains, you would get just shy of enough storage data to enable installing Call of Duty Modern Warfare on an old gen console. <laughs> well, all right. Wait, 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 wait. Does that mean that Call of Duty Modern Warfare is almost sentient at this point? If it's not, it should be. Um, uh, has oh anyone boy. at Activision ever heard of file compression? I'm not sure. I don't um, think so. But, you know, again, we, we digress. There are multiple petabytes of data, of protein data that humans discover. And as you can imagine, tech companies 
militaries, uh, defense contractors, religious institutions, even go fucking bananas. There's a global rush to the one to be the one who deciphers the important stuff there. Mm -hmm. And on top of all of this, PETA still sued them over it because they thought it had something to do with them. <laughs> yeah. How how dare they combine PETA with bites, which would indicate eating. Mm -mm. It's just absolutely nope. heinous. Nope. They were very upset. <laughs> Among that trove of data that, that PETA was all worked up about um, was data on how mass effect physics work, how to find a mass relay and where you can find one. The answer at 11. No, the answer <laughs> on the next episode. Um, See you next time. <laughs> <laughs> Peace, bitches. Um, <laughs> no, the answer was a moon orbiting Pluto. I mean, this is like this is super handy. This is like, hey, hey, Earthlings, here's all the stuff you need to know in order to engage with the rest of the galaxy. Right. Here's a your too galaxy convenient. menu. <laughs> Here you go. A little too convenient. Agreed. Um, and that's part of, part of the reason why I said, you know, maybe this was a deliberate effort so that the humans could circumvent the Reaper's path and mm -hmm. that the Protheans would speed it up a little bit. So yeah. once again, this is like the second episode in a row where we discover this little kind of seemingly inconsequential detail where the Protheans meddled just a little bit to give humanity the edge in defeating the reapers the next cycle of course the last episode where we talked about this we were talking about the protean scientists disrupting the signal that the keepers would have the citadel send to sovereign and that bought mm -hmm. humanity and then the rest of the races just enough time in order to avoid extinction mm. so this is just yet another perhaps you know subtle action where the protheans meddled but just a little bit, just a little bit, just enough to give people an edge. So you have this massive discovery, right? Uh, that sends uh, the equivalent of tectonic shifts through the bedrock of humanity's identity. And you couple that with a, the economic and logistical difficulty of solo space exploration and B the existing growth of pan globalist culture and what you get is a stark, ver you know, us versus them collective realization. It's a profound unifying effect in politics where all of a sudden all of humanity says, oh, well, wait a second. You know, we may have been fighting, but that, at least you're a human right now. There's aliens out there. Mm -hmm. Well, we should really band together. Right, right. We finally have something to compare us against. Yeah, exactly. Um, and there's now a them who's there is a them who is not us. Right. <laughs> and right. Um, so Earth's 18 largest nations draft new legislation and they outline a new world government, the Systems Alliance. Its mission is to facilitate expansions, protect humanity's interests and defend Earth's colonies. OK, so what about the rest of the earth's countries because this doesn't uh, this isn't like everybody right therein lies uh the proof the proof is in the pudding no i'm just kidding it's not a huge detail um but they are 
hardly as wealthy, influential, and powerful as the top 18 nations, Mm -hmm. but they band together nonetheless in order to compete and probably to survive. Uh, They form what's called the Union of Incorporated Nations. Another detail that I actually didn't know before researching this. Hmm. They form the Union of Incorporated Nations and together, those little nations are not to be dismissed. They are powerful enough uh, that they have some arms of their organization, like the Scientific Appropriations Committee, that has real connections. That committee is contracted with several R&D research and development corporations, and those corporations have some serious pro-human, Earth-centric agendas. As, cool. as you can see, this is very Cerberus-esque, mm-hmm. and it very well could be how Cerberus gets such a strong foothold from Earth and in humanity's space. As we know, Cerberus is the, the sec, basically come Mass Effect 3, Cerberus is the second most powerful human faction in the galaxy. Hmm. How, how might that have happened? Well, if they are the ones who are funding the R&D corporations, which are the backbone of the second you know, the second and only other world government from Earth. And there's some political corruption there. I think we then have our, you know, have our case for how Cerberus really originated. Of course, that's a different episode we'll get into later. Right. Yeah. That, that makes me wonder if they were either funded or actually created by this other government. You know, there, there's yeah, like the specifics of that could be very, you know, Tricky, tricky. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. That's that's really kind of interesting. Well, that's this is cool. This is really cool stuff. I, I like the the nitty gritty on these things, and there's a lot of here that I, I wasn't aware of. So this is very cool, very cool episode. So um, Wolf Squad brings up Cerberus, the three headed guard dog of the underworld. Yes, mm-hmm. you're right. The, mm-hmm. the, in, in Greek mythology, Cerberus was the three headed guard dog of the underworld. And how interesting that the elusive man chooses Cerberus to be the name and mascot of his humanity first protecting human interests from, you know, the aliens from the other side Mm -hmm. of the Charon mass relay. Yep. And of course, uh, Charon, I I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Charon, Charon, yeah, Charon, uh, Karen, hopefully Mm -hmm. not Karen. Yeah. Um, Uh, The boatman, the boatman of, of the, uh, river sticks. Yes. Helped ferry people across into the afterlife. Um, So interesting, um, interesting correlation there. Probably one of the operative reasons why the elusive man chose Cerberus as the name. Um, And of course, you know, about the, uh, the Alliance, the systems Alliance, right after it's formed member nations pool, their resources, including financial capabilities and military might, This is stuff that had long been stockpiled as a countermeasure against each other. So think of China, Russia, the United States, UK, France, Germany, um, all of the top, you know, 18 most powerful nations on earth. Now they're pulling all of their financial capabilities and military might and industrial capabilities all together. And now you've got a singular body that is powerful enough to take full advantage of the limitless possibilities that come from the understanding of the theory of mass effect. 
Mm-hmm. So, and that, that brings us to the very beginning of mass effect. Uh, I'm sorry, not the very beginning of mass effect one. Instead that brings us to the first contact war. And if you'd like to hear more about that, <laughs> I encourage you to go check out episode number two. So, <laughs> this becomes an end- endless loop. You just go, this is just a loop. You just go back to that episode. <laughs> That's it, baby. That's We're it. done. That's it. Well, very cool stuff. Um, I know Sam's got to get going. His schedule's kind of crazy this week. Everybody, thank you for tuning in. I love ha- having you guys here during the live stream. If you haven't joined our live stream, then you're welcome to come join us on Sunday nights starting at 1030 Eastern, 730 Pacific. We are live at twitch.tv slash robots radio. And um, do remember that in just two weeks we have our trivia show so if you think you can if you think you can take on some challengers or you just want to show up and be part of the live show and you know throw out some funny answers you're welcome to do that as well um we'd love to have you guys on and join us and um sam you got anything else you want to share before we head out um you know not much i my pc was supposed to arrive um mm-hmm. yesterday didn't arrive today Maybe it'll arrive to uh, arrive tomorrow. I, I'm not quite sure. Um, kind of yeah. at the behest of UPS's goodwill here. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm, shipping I'm is tough right now. Shipping's a little crazy. So hopefully. So as soon as I get that, um, as I mentioned, Mass Effect Legendary Edition is going to be the first game that I install on my new gaming PC, and I'm going to take full advantage of a the better graphics and b the mods. So I'm going to be playing a modded playthrough. I'm not sure. This could get ridiculous. This could get like a video game donkey playthrough. Let's see how ridiculous we can make it. Hey, hey, um, listeners, if you guys can. What I want is I want them to find the most ridiculous shepherd mods they possibly can to make your shepherd look stunning. Yes, absolutely stunning. In fact, I think we should name your shepherd the lead singer for our new band Soul System. Um, what oh, was his yes. name again? His name was uh, uh, Victor oh, Manswell. Victor Manswell. It can be Shepherd, <laughs> Shepherd, or it can we be Manswell Shepherd? That would be awesome. Manswell yes, Shepherd. Man, Manswell Shepherd. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe mm-hmm. I'll try to search for a mod where every time I die, because this is going to be an insanity mode playthrough. Mm. So I'm going to try and find a mod where every time I die, it plays the Windows XP shutdown sound. Da 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 da. That'd be great. That'd be great. Or you can just or maybe Nickelback. Yeah. Or you could just insert your own sound effect for specific things. Like maybe you could just swap out your own sound effects for like, you know, anytime you die that happens or uh, anytime you kill an enemy, it goes, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That'd be real good. That'd that's good. that's what it's going to do every time I do the biotic charge. Ability. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Every time you heal yourself, it goes. Oh, that'd be great. I'm Victor that, Manswell. There's oh, oh yeah, oh, oh, oh yeah. There's a bunch uh, of different mods that I that we could get. One of the serious mods I I have wanted to find is the uh, Alliance Armor mod, and I know it's out there. I know it exists. I'm definitely intending to get it because the Alliance Armor looks fucking cool, mm. and I'm I'm sad that that was never an option for Shepard who mm-hmm. definitely was like a service member in the Alliance mm-hmm. uh, for two of the three games. So I don't really get it, uh, but should have been in the game to begin with sad. It's not, Oh, well I'll find a mod. It'll be good. 
I'll be streaming at N7 The Legend on Twitch. And of course, you can find me at N7 The Legend on Twitter and now also on Instagram. And so if anyone's listening uh, and you have some awesome screenshots from Mass Effect that you want to share, then go ahead and send them my way. We've already found, uh, or I'm sorry, we've already been sent a lot of amazing screenshots. So I got a backlog of content to post, uh, but I'll be posting that to my account giving you fair credit, of course, and posting it to the Mass Effect Lorecast uh, Instagram account. And of course, um, if you have some funny Mass Effect memes, also send them my way too. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. And um, Sam and I also do the Xbox Game Pass show. And this this isn't just for Xbox players. Game Pass works on PC as well. And many of those games come out on all the platforms. So we'd love for you guys to come check out the show. We talk about the new games that come out and give you some our first takes on them and that we did last night normally we do that on monday nights but due to schedule changes we did that last night so go look up the xbox game pass show we have a group of people who've been playing games together including destiny 2 that's the newest one we've all been playing together so if you play destiny 2 there's cross play it works across all the different consoles and pc um i set up a new clan we're all playing that together there's a whole bunch of us now on there so we'd love to have you join us all of this can be um accessed through the robots radio discord you just have to search robots radio discord there's a link in the show notes there's all sorts of ways you can get a hold of that stuff and again we'd love to have you join us and just check out the robots radio network discord and the xbox game pass show there's lots of stuff for you to do to be part of the network and part of all these awesome people checking out the show live chatting on discord playing games together we'd love to have you guys join us so um that's what we got going on. You guys can reach out to me on Twitter at robots underscore radio. And um, the last thing I want to say is if you're interested in doing a podcast, then heck guys, I'd love, I'd love for you guys to come hang out with me. We uh, have the robots radio rocket club, which is a group of podcasters that I've been working with. And some of their shows, I was actually uh, Sunday nights. I work with them. I, we have a, an hour long meeting where I get together with them every week and we work on their podcasts. One of the shows launched a few months ago. They just hit 12,000 downloads on their show. And they are a, um, like a, like, like a voice acted kind of drama show about fallout stuff so it's not even the kind of show that we do where you get together once a week and you do an episode this is a voice acted show this is a show that doesn't come out weekly Twelve thousand downloads in a very short period of time these shows are kicking butt they're doing awesome so if you're looking at creating your own content getting a show off the ground creating a podcast learning how to do that from the ground up doing it successfully finding an audience all of that kind of stuff Check out the Robots Radio Rocket Club. There's links in the show notes. You can go to robotsradio.net and you can sign up for that. I would love to help you figure out how to do that and set up your show and help you be successful. And you can be part of our little family of podcasts. And um, there's even ways to be part of our community and then run ads on your show so you can actually make a little bit of money while you're doing a thing you love. There's all sorts of fun things you can do with us. So anyway, there you go. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time, and until then, stay safe out there. See you, everybody. Later. Thanks for tuning in to the Mass Effect Lorecast. We'd love to hear your opinion and thoughts on the lore of Mass Effect. Reach out to us on Twitter at Mass Effect Cast, or check out the Robots Radio Discord. Also, you can send us an email at MassEffectLorecast at gmail.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. 
all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My name is Brian Burton. It's been 26 years since the bombs fell. And since I've left the vault, I've been trying to rebuild. This isn't the Appalachia that I remember. There's so much more to everything going on. And I promise to find the answer. So if you're out there, if you're listening, just hone in on these coordinates. Remember, there's a place for you at the end. Omega. The Omega Broadcast Fallout Story is available on iTunes, Spotify, and many great podcasting sources. Hey friends, this is Robots, the creator of the Robots Radio Podcast Network and host of the two original shows on the network, the Fallout Lorecast and the Elder Scrolls Lorecast. These two shows have rocketed up the iTunes charts. They both together have over 155 star reviews in only a couple of months with bite-sized episodes that take you step-by-step step through the background of the games in the game worlds. They're thought-provoking, well-produced, and a lot of fun. I recommend you go check them out at robotsradio.net or on any podcast reader, podcatcher whatever you use itunes spotify again that's the fallout lorecast and the elder scrolls lorecast available everywhere